Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
Walk with me through this little mental experiment, if you will. Don't worry, it'll be be easy in some parts and hard in others. Just stay with me. I want you to picture your life as it stands right now. Your job, your house, your kids, your financial situation, whatever that may be. And the situation of all your neighbors, all the people who live in your neighborhood, in your town, in your city. But mainly your neighborhood, because that's easiest to picture. You picture their faces, you picture their names. The reason I said neighbors is those are generally, almost universally, people in a similar socioeconomic situation to you. Doesn't mean you're the same people, but in general, you're going to have roughly the same income, roughly the same family values. You know, it's the way the way societies work. All right, you got it? You pictured it yourself, everybody else. Now, I want you to picture massive hardship hitting all of you. Economic hardship. You, all your neighbors, job is wiped out. Some of you get unemployment. Some of you, a few of you, I mean, those who can get a job well below your level. Maybe you'd maybe you were in your 40s, 50s, maybe you're making 100 grand a year. Now all of a sudden you're you're pounding nails making 40 grand a year just trying to get by. And you and all your neighbors who lost your jobs, you have to move out of that neighborhood. Wherever your house apartment is, go ahead and knock that down two or three levels. Maybe you got 3,000 square feet right now. You you move the fam into a 1200 square foot apartment. None of this is outside the realm of possibility, mind you. This this is how people have lived their lives. Life has its ups and downs. You never know. You, you with me so far? You, all your neighbors, life's gotten worse. Now, I want you to picture this. Hang with me. I've got a purpose with it. Aliens come to Earth. No, not like in the movies, not shooting lasers and things like that. They look fairly similar to us. Look very similar. I mean, you can tell they're aliens, but they look pretty similar. And they're actually really friendly. It's no issue. Your neighborhood, you guys, you're all on hard times. And the the aliens move into your neighborhood, your town, your old one, and they move in large quantities. And again, it's a friendly relationship. It's, it's It's not a big problem. And all of a sudden you realize these, these aliens are, wait a minute, they bought all the news stations? That's kind of weird. Okay, whatever, it's not a big deal. Wait, they have all the banks? Why did they buy all the banks? I mean, they're not unfriendly, whatever. They just they gave me a loan. I needed that loan, but they own all the banks? Man, I'm on hard times, gosh. Wait, they're how, what percentage of the doctors? They're they're the most the doctors, the lawyers. Do you think, in our little thought experiment there, do you think that would cause some tension with you and your community? Even if it wouldn't cause it with you, and I hope it wouldn't, because the aliens didn't do anything wrong there in that scenario. But even if it wouldn't cause tension with you, 
Do you know anyone who that would probably cause tension with? Do you think you know two people, three people, four people? Do you think somebody might start giving speeches in the town square saying, these aliens are taking over. They're controlling the money. That's the pro. They're the, they're the problem. We're on hard times, and it's just freaking aliens. Now, let us go to Germany. We have to understand today, because we're going to have a long discussion about it, what we mean by propaganda. The truth is simply this. Propaganda is used by lots of people, has been used in the history of mankind. It has such a negative word to it or a negative connotation to it because we feel like we're being manipulated, and you are. You're being manipulated for a very, very, very specific reason, depending on which propaganda you're consuming. But governments have used it. Companies have used it. You use it sometimes. I use propaganda with my kids, if you want to think about it, especially when they were younger. When it was time for them to get some TV time in, do you think I turned on for them the new transgender cartoon on whatever ridiculous channel they have out there now? No, I put on uh, little Christian videos. I wanted my kids to, to hear Bible stories and things like that. Now, I'm not apologizing for it in the least, but... That counts as propaganda. I'm manipulating them by what that what I'm showing them and what I'm not showing them. I see these people all the time out there. They're my seven year old is frantic. Oh, my my five year old just asked if Donald Trump's going to kill us. And on the right too. Oh my my eight year old son. He said we're about to be murdered by illegal immigrants. You know why I've never heard these words from my kids. I don't put my kids in front of the news, ever. Maybe my maybe my kids are uninformed, but I don't want them. I don't want them diving into that. Not left wing, not right wing. I don't put them in front of any of it. And you know what I do for a living, right? So propaganda's got an ugly, you know, an ugly connotation to it. But we all do it on some level. Now, Germany. Germany, remember, loses World War One. They lose World War One in large part, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but in large part because the Russians had a revolution, which we talked about the other day, and pulled out of the war, but that didn't actually solve Germany's problem because the Russians also, well... They were pushing socialism hard, and that socialism began to infect Germany on the front lines. It infected France, too, but workers, soldiers were beginning to rise up and cast things off. A young man who fought in that conflict, World War I, his name was Adolf Hitler, and he was disgusted by this. He thought this workers rising socialism, communism thing, he thought it cost Germany the war, and he blamed Russian Jews for it. He thought communism was a Jewish thing. 
in fairness, lots of these commies were Jews. I mean, Trotsky and these guys were Jews. But the the Jewish socialism thing doesn't have the overlap they tried to make it out to be. But again, remember, it's propaganda. Propaganda that's all lies doesn't work. Propaganda has to be partially true so people will believe it. You tell just enough of the truth to get your point out there. You reveal none of the other side of it. And it's amazing how powerful that can be. Now, there's a young man out there in this same era. His name is Paul Joseph Goebbels. It's really weird. His name is clearly spelled Goebbels. There's no R in it. Everybody calls him Goebbels. I don't understand how the English language works. There's no R in the name. I can see the name. It's right here, Chris. There's no R in it. And he begins to, well, hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. ExpressVPN.com slash Jesse. Remember that and remember it well because here's the deal your internet is not safe at your home. I'm not trying to make you paranoid. I'm not trying to freak you out, but everybody's worried about all kinds of security right now, and I understand that. I mean, America, it's, it's burning right now, it's bad. But you worry about your security, you worry about your weapons, you worry about your door locks, you worry about all these things, and then you go home and you hop online with no ExpressVPN. You let your kids hop online with no ExpressVPN. Do you know what people can do with that information that you're putting in online? And do you know your internet service provider can see everything unless you have ExpressVPN? Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse and start being safe. Start protecting your data. ExpressVPN.com slash Jesse gets you three months free on a one-year package. Now, before we get back to our... World War One, World War II story, understand there's a man born 1897, Joseph Goebbels, born to a loving family, but born with a screwed up foot, had some kind of club foot bone marrow problem. That was a different era than the one we live in today, but you can still see evidence of this today. Physical activity. Physical prowess, especially when compared with other boys, is important to boys. It's not a bad thing. It's how God made us. There's a reason every kid wants to be the star athlete. Nobody wants to suck. Nobody wants to be the chubby kid getting throttled in dodgeball. Everybody wants to be the star, date the cheerleader. It's human nature. Don't apologize for it. It's totally fine. 
There is something that happens to a young man when he has something wrong with him physically. Maybe maybe wrong isn't even the right word to put it. When he's not physically a match for his fellow boys. Goebbels was rejected and mocked. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like some weird Sigmund Freud psychobabble stuff. I am here to tell you it affects you your entire life. I've seen it time and time again. I'm grateful I did not have to go through that as a child. But I had moments where I got ganged up on. I had moments where we, when we moved from Ohio to Montana when I was 10 years old. 10 years old. I mean, who cares about anything at the age of 10? I was having a fist fight at lunchtime. And I remember that feeling. To this day, I'm 38. Fine. Life's worked out okay for me. The parts I haven't screwed up. I'm 38 years old. Reasonably successful. Wife, two kids, pickup truck. I'm going to eat a pizza today. I have everything I need. And life is good. And to this day, I can tell you what it felt like walking into a classroom in the fifth grade having people snicker at you because you're the new kid. There's something about that that hangs with you. It hangs in your mind. I'm not crying to my Cheerios about it, as you can tell. But it just if that's what that was like, a couple minor incidents for me, what's it like being mocked your entire entire childhood for your club foot? Do you think that has some kind of an effect on your psyche? So Goebbels throws himself into his studies, throws himself into them. Ends up being the valedictorian of his high school, of course. Has a real passion for writing plays and things like that. And he is a fanatical Catholic at this point in time. He writes a play. For the Catholic Church, about Judas, the Catholic Church was mortified by it, told him he was not allowed to publish it, at which point in time, feeling mega rejected by the second major thing in his life, Goebbels leaves the church never to return. Goebbels falls in love. Falls madly in love. Things are going so well, she's apparently smitten with him, he's smitten with her. And now Goebbels starts to get involved in the Nazi party very early on. Now I want you to remember this. This can be hard because we have the benefit of hindsight and we realize, oh, that turned out to be the most horrifying genocidal regime ever in a short period of time. They did not have that hindsight back then. Remember this, post-World War I, this is the state of Germany. The British and French troops were still on German soil. By many accounts, now not horrifically, but by many accounts, still abusing the populace now and then as soldiers do when soldiers are in an occupying situation that's simply the nature of man. Me and my 30 buddies have all the guns. You civilians don't have any protection. At some point in time, one of my buddies is going to do something stupid because he can. 
free of consequence. So they have essentially a British-French occupation. The Germans, as you all know now, because you listen to my show, after the Treaty of Versailles, had these horrible reparations they had to pay back these other countries, and we forced them to give up huge parts of their economy. It's essentially like, essentially like saying, Producer Chris, you owe me $100,000. Oh, and you're fired. That's really what we did. So they start printing money, which causes hyperinflation. You've seen the pictures of the Weimar Republic People walking around with wheelbarrows full of cash because it's worthless, starting fires with it. The German people are down and out and miserable and poor, and suicides at this point are skyrocketing as suicides do in economic depressions. Where have you heard that before? Skyrocketing. And socialism is part of, initially, the Nazi platform. Remember, it's a national socialist movement. That's what Nazi stands for. And socialism was a big, big part of that, and Goring falls in love with that part of it. This sounds wonderful. This sounds equal. We'll all be in this together. Only a man begins to rise in the Nazi party, and the funny thing about this guy is... While he's rising in the National Socialist Party, and he's clearly about to be a political star, obviously I'm talking about Adolf Hitler. Remember, he doesn't like the socialists at all. He likes Nazism for a lot of reasons, and the socialism part ain't one of it, Jack. But Goebbels is loving the socialism part, his love of his life. Remember I told you about her? Yeah, her and her family felt a little differently. You see the world at this point. Now, you and I don't get this because we've been educated in America's crappy education system. But at this point in time, the world had just witnessed the absolute bloody massacre of the communist revolution in Russia. This was not a pleasant revolution. The world watched that, much of the world, and decided, ah. I guess socialism actually isn't all that nice because that was the first experiment with it, and that's horrific. Goebbels decides he's going to be a socialist. The old lady runs out on him. He even writes her letters, endless letters. She never even writes him back. Eventually, a buddy catches her out one night with another wealthy young man. Now, that's rejection number three in Mr. Goebbels' life. And he begins to find out about this man named Adolf Hitler. And he goes and sits before him at a time where the country was doing much the same for much the same reasons. And what is he hearing out of the mouth of Adolf Hitler? This is what he's hearing. You are Germans. You are the greatest people on the face of your planet, on the face of the planet. Everything that's happened to us, not our fault. This is someone else's fault. This is the crappy Kaiser's fault. This is the Jew's fault. You are made for greatness. Now, that Jewish thing from Hitler may have made you uncomfortable. I kind of hope it made you a little uncomfortable. But remember this. 
there was a prime ground for that kind of rhetoric at this time in Germany. And do you know why there was that kind of rhetoric? Well, allow me to explain in just a second. Was there a ripe environment for Jew hatred in Germany? Well, some of that Jew hatred was already there. Remember our little thought experiment in the beginning? Berlin had recently experienced a massive influx of Jews. They'd gone from two or 3,000, I forget what exactly the number was, it was really low, to over 100,000, not overnight, but really, really quickly. Now, why? Because the Jews, as they always seem to get stuck doing, were experiencing horrific oppression in Russia. Pogroms, pogroms, I've heard, them people, I've heard people call them different things. It was oftentimes a government-sanctioned night or nights of terror. The Jews would oftentimes live in their own areas, as people do, associate with other people like you. The Russian leadership would oftentimes need a scapegoat, to a, a way to focus the civil unrest that's always taking place in Russia. And oftentimes they would say, it's the Jews, go get them. And people would simply storm into Jewish neighborhoods, Murder, rape, pillage, the works. Horror. I mean, horror. Kill people in front of their families. They were horrible. A a bunch of little mini Kristallnachs. It was horrible. Now, the Jews in Russia were all, uh, nope, we out. And they begin to pour into Germany. How do you think people like Hitler felt about that when he already thought, Russians were a bunch of dirty commies and didn't like the Jews anyway, so the Jews start to fill up Germany. Now, not fill up. We're talking 5% of the population, but when you go from 0.05% of the population to 5% of the population, that's a massive influx. And the Jews, they they start owning all the banks. Goebbels, you know where he got a lot of his suspicion and hatred of the Jews from? He actually took a clerical job when he was low down and out at a bank at a time when Germany's financial situation was disastrous and everybody was poor. And he noticed all the Jews owned the bank and all the Jews had all the money in the bank. Now, why is that? Well, nobody likes to look at the reasons why, and here's the reason why. For a long, long, long time throughout Europe, Christians, Catholics, we're mainly talking Catholics here, the the Catholic version of Christianity, they barred people from loaning money with interest. They thought it was an actual sin. Now, you may think it's an actual sin. 
Don't scream at me. It's, I'm not. I'm not taking a stance on it here. It was, and I don't mean one kook pastor brought it up. It was, no, 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 you do not loan money for interest, period. So um, people still need loans, right? And people don't give out loans just to give out loans. You give out loans to make money from them. So it became, it became this gigantic vacuum that the Jews filled up. Now, you can say they did themselves no favors with this part of it, but it was also Jewish policy to not loan money and charge interest to fellow Jews. They only did it to non-Jews. I look at that and I say, nice, that's a close-knit community. However, again, remember that alien scenario? They own all the banks. They're charging you all the interest. They're not charging their fellow Jews the interest. If you're somebody, remember what I told you about propaganda. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. I don't care that you're uncomfortable right now. We're talking about how it is. Propaganda is powerful. You only need some truth and you can work your way up from there. The Jews were virtually all the banks. The Jews were the lawyers, the doctors. Yes, all those stereotypes. Those inappropriate jokes you get to make with your Jewish buddies when the when the microphone is off that you can't say now, producer Chris. You know, there's, there's stereotypes there. But it created, you know, in the same way producer Jewish, Jewish producer Chris and I can joke about this off the air, we can joke about it now because we don't experience a lot of that in America. We have things like, you know, it's, it's like that nasty bit of business in New York. And, I mean, there are pockets of it. But in general, that's just not a thing here. Let's just put it this way. They weren't joking about it in Germany in the 20s and 30s. It was not funny. And, and Hitler was angry about it. And Goebbels was angry about it. And they chose to focus so much of the public hatred Towards the Jews. And you get to a point where if you get enough people who feel that way and you manipulate the media enough so they really feel that way, then you don't even need 90% of the population on your side at first. Give yourself 20, 30% of the population that hates the Jews or at least has some Jewish resentment there. Let's take this 20, 30%. Let's make them really, really loud. Let's cement our ideology in them. And then once we've done that, they'll be so loud and such strong believers that that 20, 30% becomes 35 as people start to come along. It becomes 40 as people start to come along. Soon it's 50. Soon it's 60. Soon it's 70. Soon, before you even know it, if you play your cards right or horribly, if you play your cards right, soon you've got a whole nation hating Jews. And no, because you have to do it slowly, right? Remember, Hitler didn't run on, I'm going to gas Six million Jews. He did not run on that. He ran on, I hate Jews. He ran on, we don't want Jews. Hitler originally even openly tried to deport all the Jews 
Many nations, us included, rejected such deportations. He didn't run on, I'm going to murder six million. He ran on, they suck. And eventually people start to think, you know, they kind of do suck. You know what? I agree. They suck. Yeah, they really suck. Well, no, I don't think, no, we don't want to kill them. No one's even suggesting killing them, but we can at least put them in their own little ghettos, right? Do you see how it happens, ladies and gentlemen? And then you get a man like Joseph Goebbels take over, and you know what Goebbels does? So much of the stuff you've seen, but really it was masterful if you think about it. The books, the movies, the news. He took control of all of it and started to put out what we know as propaganda. Propaganda showing the greatness of Germans, the greatness of Germany. And if you have to have a bad guy in the movie, let's let's get Mr. Goldstein over here. We need an evil Jew. Play the Again, you don't have to be overt. If you go look at any of it or read any of it, some of it's really overt, some of it's really sly. Up, oh, we got to have a got to have a scoundrel. Do we have any Jews? Let's get some Jews over here. Hitler loved this propaganda. Goebbels loved that propaganda and used it incredibly effectively throughout the war. Hitler watched as the nations poured propaganda on Germany in World War I, made them out to be a bunch of barbarians, which they really weren't. But he watched the effectiveness of that propaganda, and he said to himself, never again will will we be on the wrong side of that. I'm about to read you a statistic that's going to shock you. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You need to take on the IRS. You need to take on the IRS right now. Stop putting it off. They're not going to forget about you. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, take my word for it. They're going to get their money unless you get a professional, a professional to step in and fight for you. Somebody who knows how to take on the IRS, and that's Paramount Tax Relief. You cannot wish your IRS problems away. You can't just, you know, well, I'll just cross my fingers. Maybe they'll lose my name. They're not going to lose your name. They're coming. They will take your business. They'll take your home. They'll take your wages. But if you call Paramount Tax Relief, there's actually a chance you qualify for the new CNC tax program. It allows you to stop making any payments while you're in it. Give them a call and find out. 800-816-8749. 800-816-8749. Do not get an amateur. Get a professional. Paramount Tax Relief. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. 877-377-4373. 
I had this conversation last night. I'm going to... I'm going to cover up a name for you because I don't want to out this person. This person is a friend of mine. Hanging out, walk in. This guy is certainly not heavily political, but no question a Republican, a conservative. The dude has a Trump hat. Uh, This dude is on the right, okay? On the right. And this person watches the news a lot. He works from home, and he always has the news on in the background. It's always on. And it's not all, you know, Fox News, the first. It's not all that stuff. It's, it's ABC, NBC, CBS. It's all that stuff. He just has it on in the background. Walk in. I ask him, what are you watching? I'm watching these uh, George Floyd protests. I'm like, oh, I, I just, I kind of give him the, oh, okay, type thing. And he says, can you believe this? And I said, oh, can I believe what? The racism we still have in this country. And I said, racism? What do you mean racism? These cops, man, they killed that black dude. And then they interviewed a black guy as we were talking. It's just worked out perfectly. And the black guy gets on there. I don't know who he was being interviewed by a local reporter and says, man, they're out here. They're, they're killing us, man. We're, we're protesting against these guys are out here. These cops are out here killing us. And we want something done about it. To which I give that, oh, gosh. And my buddy says, what? I said, out here killing us. Are you serious? He said, dude, what is wrong with you? You don't believe we need to do something about racist policing in America? I said, do me a favor, brother. Because I don't want to argue with you right now. We're just hanging out. Look up some numbers. Give me a call tomorrow. He texted me this morning, and all it said was, all it said was, oh, man, my bad. I had no idea. Do you want to hear some numbers? Some realities? Because I know many of you, even on the right, have, especially young people, have got a lot. Well, we have to, we have to reform racist policing, this racist policing, this racism, racism, racism. It's race, 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 race. We've got racist cops, racist cops. I see young people on the right, and I know we'll get to this. It's in the American education system mainly, but it's also the propaganda you see in the news. Racism, racism, racist cops, racist cops. They're hunting down black people. Race, race, race. Do you want to know what the numbers were last year? 10 million people were arrested last year. You ready? Walk with me. 1,000 were killed by police. It's actually 1,004, but that doesn't matter. Let's keep the numbers even so you can understand. 10 million arrests in America. 1,000 were killed by police. Do you know how many of those people killed by police were unarmed? Anyone know? Anyone want to guess? Anybody? 41. 
There were 41 people in a country of 320 million, 41 unarmed people killed by police last year. 41. Do you know how, you want to know how many of them were white? 19. Do you know how many unarmed black men were killed by police in all of 2019? Nine. Nine. Ladies and gentlemen, propaganda is an amazingly powerful thing. I want you to do me a favor. Think for a moment. Think for a moment of what you've seen in the last week in the United States of America. 140 American cities burning. Looting, rioting, death. We got cops dead all over the place. You have not only Antifa people, you have the Black Lives Matter people openly talking about defunding America's police. The racist cops and the black lives, they're slaughtering black people. Black, black, we're black lives, we're being slaughtered. Nine unarmed black men were killed last year in all of 2019. What we deal with in this country now, now more than ever, what we deal with is propaganda. And we're all susceptible to it depending on what you allow yourself to consume. My buddy, my conservative buddy, my Trump voting buddy, until I had one brief conversation with him, thought America's cops had a racism problem. Why did he think that? Well, I'll show you. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.